So I just want to uh, really try and remind everybody, I've been sending out any emails and, and so on. We really want to uh, start putting things in place so that uh, we, we get moving right now, but also that we're ready to move even quicker when we come out of this, this second lockdown. Uh, what I'm aware of is some of you have been forming DNA groups. Uh, what I'm not aware of, because you haven't yet emailed the office to tell me about them, is who's in them and, and so we can help you get started, get going. So if you are already part of a DNA group and you just haven't let us know, or you want to be part of a DNA group, either way you need to let us know and then we can start those, those rolling, start them running and get moving. The same with TruthQuest. I know a number of you have said that you, you want to do that, looking really to, to firm up on that commitment. So um, even if you think you've let us know, then let us know again so that we can actually work out uh, how best to do the first batch. Uh, so having said all that, I'm really going to talk uh, this morning, just bring to a conclusion, as Cheryl said, this series that we've been doing called Overwhelmed. And we've been talking about a passage using it as our theme from uh, 1 John uh, chapter 5 verse 4 and 5 and in that in that those verses it tells us that we are designed to be overcomers of the world and yet what is it that overcomes the world it's our faith and and that passage makes that clear but today what i want to talk about is how that faith operates in terms of what i talked about last week which is prayer what do we do in the gap between prayer and when we see the answer manifest? Because that is a key, a real key to us seeing more of God's blessings manifest in our lives and seeing more of that abundant life that he's promised us coming to fruition in our lives. So I want to start this morning. Um, I'm going to go looking at a few verses this morning because when you look at a topic like this, it's not always possible to teach all the things you need to teach off just one passage or one verse. So I'm going to be looking at a few different ones. And I'm going to start in Matthew chapter 7, uh, part of the Sermon on the Mount. And Jesus says this, Matthew chapter 7, verse 7. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone, and you're an everyone, for everyone who asks receives... He who seeks finds, and to him who knocks, it will be opened. Now, they're familiar verses, but when I read them, I think they're also really challenging verses. Because when, when we look at that and we say, well, is that what I'm experiencing in my life? Many of us will say, well, actually, it's not. It's not what I'm experiencing in my life. I've been waiting. I've been looking. I've prayed, I haven't seen an answer, and so on. And yet, this is what Jesus says. He's saying, ask, it will be given. Seek, it will. you will find. And knock, and it will be opened to you. So that's what Jesus says is ours. And yet, sometimes, and, and often, our experience is different to that. And, you know, when we say, is that our experience? I think we, we've got a few things that we can learn from this. You see, although it doesn't come across clearly, in in this verse because of the way we we translate things into english it doesn't answer the question how long have i got to ask for how long do i have to seek how long do i have to keep knocking but actually in the original greek what it what it says is ask and consistently and persistently ask seek 
and consistently keep going seeking. Knock and keep knocking. It's a, it's, it's a continuous thing. It's a lifestyle of faith that he's been talked about. And what Jesus is saying, he says, we follow that lifestyle of faith, putting our trust in him, believing his words for what they say. Then we see our answers. Then we find things. And then what we're looking for, the doors open and so on and so on. So basic first principle, when we're looking at what happens in that gap between prayer and uh, seeing the manifestation of what we're looking for is we keep going. Remember what we've been talking about. Persistence defeats resistance. And it's our persistence that needs to defeat the enemy. And, you know, when we, when we look at passages like this, it's so important that we approach the word of God correctly. You see, what a lot of believers have got into the habit of doing and what I find, you know, still is, is very prevalent amongst believers even though we've been teaching faith for so long, teaching, trusting God for so long, it's still very prevalent that what we do is we look at a verse like that and we say, well, my experience doesn't match that verse. And what we do is we either move on from that verse and say, well, you know, I can't get my head around that now. Or we say, it doesn't work for me. Or, well, I don't know. I, I, maybe Jesus didn't really mean that. And once you get into maybe Jesus didn't really mean that, then you can find like loads of people on Facebook, online, with PhDs who'll prove that you're exactly right, that Jesus never meant anything he said. But that's not the way we grow in faith. You see, the way the word Jesus intended the kingdom to work is not that our experience should bring the word of God down to what we're experiencing. Because that way, there is no forward movement. We never grow. We never see more of the kingdom. You see, Jesus intended it that we get our experience up to the level of the word of God. And that's really kind of our mission as faith life. That's a, you know, a key thing in, in what I bring, the message I bring, is that we gradually get more and more and see more and more of what Jesus said is ours. Because he said that emphatically. Ask and it will be given. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open to you. Let's go to uh, another really well-known verse. I'll go to Mark chapter 11, verse 23. So that's Mark chapter 11, verse 23. Um, here we go. Jesus, well, I'll start at verse 22 because it, it, it kind of ties in with our theme. Jesus answered them, have faith in God. That's what we've got to do. We've got to have faith in God, no matter what things look like, no matter what's going around on around us, and no matter whether we've already seen the answer for what we wanted, or we're still waiting for it. You see, faith, you don't need faith when you've seen the answer. You need faith until you see the answer. So have faith in God. For truly I say to you, whoever says this mountain, be removed and be thrown in the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says will come to pass, he will have whatever he says. Therefore, I say to you, whatever things you ask, when you pray, believe that you will receive them and you will have them. Again, Jesus is really emphatic. So we've got this challenge of getting our experience up to the level of the word of God. And, and then we, we, we're faced with and then keep on encountering this gap that we... We are, we are living in and working in, which is the difference between what Jesus says is ours and what, where, where we are in our experience of the fullness of that. You see, 
it's really key in those verses that we read them for exactly what they say. And what they say is, when you pray, believe. So when you pray, you've got to believe that you have what you're asking for. Now, so that's not really uh, the biggest issue here. That You see, most of us can believe for a second. Most of us can believe for 10 seconds. Most of us can believe for several minutes. But it's when it stretches out and stretches out that, we, that there's that gap between praying and us having, as Jesus says, you will receive them. Uh, believe that you will receive them and you will have them. So we want to get to the will have them. So what, what's going on there? What's, what's happening? You see, I think I, I've said this. I can't remember where I've said this in the daily videos I'm recording or uh, what we uh, talked about in the last couple of weeks. But we, we can get to the point where we think um, we, we need to understand everything in order to see an answer manifest. So we work away and we work away and think, oh, I must be missing something. I need to study harder. I need to do this more. I need to do that more. I need to do that more. Actually, that's that's the wrong approach, because actually what we do is we receive grace by faith. We don't get to grace and we don't get hold of it by doing more of something or more of something or more of something. But the truth is that life is complex and the world we live in is increasingly complex. And at the same time, we've got used to uh, fast answers, quick action, immediate responses. You know, I get emails or, you know, I get texts now. And if I haven't responded in 10 minutes to a text, I get another text saying you haven't answered. And, and that's kind of, I'm sure you all experience that. And, and that's the world we live in now, this fast thing. And yet it is a very complex world. And we need to understand that for us to see some of the answers we're looking for takes time. It takes time for God to work with all that complexity and turn it around for our good. And But also there's a second factor involved and that is that there are spiritual forces involved that we simply do not understand. What... Jesus said is that you will have what you ask for if you believe. But the question is, which he, he doesn't talk about, is what are the spiritual forces that are interacting in between us praying and us receiving what we've asked for? Now, you might be saying, well, what's Mark talking about? What's he going on about? Well, there are things that we do not see and do not understand that can lead to a time lag between us praying and us receiving what has been promised in God's word. Let me just take you to uh, Daniel chapter 9. Daniel chapter 9. I'll, I'll illustrate what I mean. Because from Daniel's experience, which you know we studied in detail uh, these the passages that this is in uh, what is part of our end time series. But Daniel's experience is this. So Daniel chapter 9 verse 20. Uh, while I was speaking and praying and confessing my sin and the sin of my people Israel and presenting my supplications before the Lord my God, that specific request uh, for the holy mountain of my God. Indeed, while I was speaking in prayer, the man Gabriel, who I had seen in the vision at the beginning, being caused to fly swiftly, touched me about the time of the even, evening ablation. 
he informed me and talked with me and said, Daniel, I've now come to give you insight and understanding. At the beginning of your specific request, the supplications, the command went out, and I've now come to tell you, for you are greatly beloved. That took, that answer, if you imagine Daniel just praying, that from the beginning, when he started praying, when he first opened his mouth to Gabriel appearing, took three minutes. Which is kind of how we'd all like all of our prayers answered, isn't it? Three minutes, yeah, I can hang on in faith for three minutes. Now look what happens in Daniel chapter 10. And uh, Daniel chapter 10, uh, I'll begin at verse 10. Then a hand touched me. So Daniel's been praying again. He's trying to understand the vision. Then a hand touched me, which set me on my knees and on the palms of my hands. He said to me, O oh Daniel, a man greatly beloved, understands the words that I speak to you and stand upright, for I have been sent to you now. And when he'd spoken to this word, I stood trembling. Then he said to me, Do not be afraid, Daniel, for from the first day that you set your heart to understand this and to humble yourself before your God, your words were heard, and I've come because of the, your words. But the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me for 21 days. So Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me, for I've been left there with the kings of Persia. Now I've come to make you understand what shall befall your people in the latter days, for the vision is yet for many days. So we've gone from three minutes to three weeks. So this prayer took three weeks to answer. What was the difference? The difference was uh, something happening in the spiritual realms because we have an enemy. The kingdom of darkness is still active in this world and something happens in the supernatural realms where the enemy tries to steal, kill and destroy in our lives. And so even if we took all the complexity out of the world, there's still a time period which we won't understand, which will differ from prayer to prayer, and it's so important that we have faith in God. So that, that's, a, that's a real uh, basic principle, because it's faith that gives us the substance of things asked for. In fact, faith is the substance of things asked for. As we pray, well, our faith that we are praying with, our belief, actually gives substance to what we are asking for. It causes it to manifest. Why? Because we, we live by grace through faith. We receive the grace that Jesus paid for, all the promises of God which are yet and amen, through faith. It's our faith that gives substance and receives those promises. Takes them off the table, if you like. Now... What I need to, to do is, is really kind of uh, go on from there and try and flesh that out a bit for you so that we can, we can get really clear on this. It might sound like I'm, I'm not sharing a lot of anecdotes today or whatever. And the reason for that is I want us to be really clear on this teaching because this more than anything else is the biggest reason we and you are not seeing answers to your prayer. Because of what we think and the way we approach that gap between the prayer and the manifestation. And so it's really important. So what fills that gap if it's not faith? The thing that fills that gap if it's not faith is what? Doubt. You've got two choices. You've got faith or you've got doubt. And so we need to understand and learn how we deal with the doubts that come in that gap instead of the faith 
that, he's, that, that Jesus says we need in order to have what we've asked for. So we need to learn to deal with doubt. You see, if we're going to trust God for something, if we're going to ask God for something, if we're going to keep on seeking him, if we're going to keep on going after him, if that's our lifestyle, you know, we are lovers, we are pursuers of God's heart, pursuers of his kingdom, seeking first his kingdom, seeking first his righteousness, then we need to uh, learn and, and be able to do something about the doubts that come. Where do the doubts come from? The doubts come from our own flesh where we're going, there's the word, there's our experience, I'll bring the word down to my experience. That's doubt. That's doubt. That's saying God will not do what he said he will do. Well, Jesus intends to do exactly what he has promised. His promises are always yes and amen, and he wants us to get our experience, our doubt, out of the way, and our experience up to the level of his word in faith. And so that, that's, that's his agenda, that's what he's about. So we need to learn to do something about those doubts. Now, here's the truth. You can't live without doubts coming. Doubts will always come. Why will doubts always come? Well, doubts always come because you have an enemy. And the enemy's job is to steal, kill and destroy. So he's bringing doubts into your mind. He's, he's trying to get you to rely on your experience, to bring everything down to what you've seen. And the truth is, if you bring everything down to what you've seen, you'll end up seeing nothing, absolutely nothing of the kingdom if you go by your experience instead of faith. And this is why it's so important, why Cheryl and I are just absolutely passionate that churches start teaching their be the believers in their congregation how to walk in faith, how to believe the word of God instead of how to dismantle the word of God and make it meaningless or reduce it to sound bites. We need to walk in faith more than ever before. The times we were in, we are in right now, need faith more than anything. And I, I, I worry and I'm concerned that the church in our nation has not prepared believers to stand in faith that they need right at this time. That we've been kind of following a, 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 a form of doing things, but we haven't really learned to stand in that gap between the prayer and the answer. And so that's why I'm talking about this. We, the, the first thing we need to understand about uh, standing in faith is faith isn't difficult. You know, when you were born again, you were given faith. The, the, the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, the same Spirit Christ had, lives inside of you. And one of the fruits of the Spirit is faith. So faith isn't hard to get at. What is harder to get at is the patience and the endurance and the persistence that goes along with the faith that takes you through the gap without getting into the doubt. And that, that's why it's so important we learn these principles. So... You know, you're not going to be able to do anything about doubts coming. But I know you've heard me say this before, but you can learn to doubt your doubts. You're not going to be able to do anything about doubts coming, but you can learn to doubt your doubts. You see, when you start thinking about it, when you start looking at it, and it, it becomes increasingly obvious. We, we kind of live through a, behind a kind of thinly, thinly device smokescreen that the devil's put up but the truth is the devil is a liar he can never tell you the truth so if something that is you're hearing in your head or something that somebody's saying to you does not match the word of god it's not from god so if something in your head is saying well i could ask but i never get 
or something in your head is saying well i've been seeking but i'll never find that's not god and we need to understand that we we need to learn to doubt our doubts see them for what they are look through them and get them out of our heads and go ha spotted you satan spotted that scheme or ha spotted that that's my flesh that's my own reasoning that's my own thoughts coming in but that's not what god says and like Cheryl said earlier, it's so important, therefore, that we know the word of God. Um, you know, when you've got doubts, it's, how can I put it? It's just better to be honest with God about where you're at. You see, doubts, I, I know I've, I've made you, but doubts aren't actually fatal. And you go, oh, that's really odd, Mark. Why, why would you say that well, after all you've, you've said? Well, we find out, and, and I think it's in... Where was it? Mark chapter 9, uh, the disciples went out and um, were trying to, they were healing people, raising the dead, cleansing lepers, doing all the business. And yet there was one instance where they couldn't heal somebody. And uh, the, the father came to Jesus and this boy was demon possessed. And Jesus said, well, you know, what? everything with God is possible. And this man says, well, yes, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. And, you know, when we, when we are, are pursuing God, when we're putting our trust in him, we cannot help, as I've said, those, those doubtful thoughts, those things coming into our head because of the enemy, because of our flesh. What we can do is identify them for what they are, be direct and honest with God in our prayer as we go before him in the secret place. And here's what. That guy who said, yes, Lord, I believe, but I've got unbelief as well. He still got his miracle. That boy still got delivered. That boy still got free. He got his miracle. Why? Not because he was perfect, not because it was all out of his head, but because he continued to trust God and he was honest with God about where he is. You know, you get less from God when you're phony than when you're real. And we need to get rid of all that phony Christianity. We need to be honest with ourselves about where we stand in faith, whether our faith is strong, weak, middling, whatever, how, how we are. And be real with God in our prayer, in our secret place, in the time we spend before God. You know, um, Thomas came along, didn't he? And, and Thomas said, well, unless I see the hands, unless I put my hand to his side where, where the, the spear went in, I'm not going to believe he's alive. Now, people always remember Thomas as kind of doubting Thomas. Yeah, I went to a primary school called St. Thomas's and it was always called doubting St. Thomas's. I, I don't know why, you know, that's, people have just got doubting and Thomas together. But here's what happened. Here's what happened. Jesus had already let all the other disciples touch the nail-scarred hands. He'd al they'd already seen him physically. And what Thomas was saying is, unless I see what you've seen, I'm not going to accept what you're saying. And so Jesus shows him. Now, and and he, he, he knelt before Jesus and he said, my Lord and my God. And the thing that, that, that we often miss about Thomas is, yes, he had doubts, but yes, he was real before Jesus. He went, he turned up, he asked to touch, 
he, he was honest before Jesus and he went on to become one of the greatest evangelists the world has seen. Thomas went right down into India, established churches in India that are still there in the Chennai district of India. The, the original churches are still there that he set up and it, and it all came from his ministry. Just because you have doubts doesn't mean God won't meet you where you're at. You see, if we just believe what our brain says uh, and how we feel and what's in front of us, we aren't going to make much progress in this Christian walk. You know, it's so important that we get this and really start to practice it and understand it. Because, you know, it's not that I'm um, unsympathetic. You know, sometimes when I, I'm teaching the word, I, I, I'm conscious that I could come across as like, I'm unsympathetic or I don't understand. Actually, I do know what you're going through. You know, we all have serious problems in our life. You know, I've shared over the last few weeks some of the stuff that, that we've been going through. And, and this week I, I've had, you know, some some more issues, uh, got some sort of inner ear infection, just kept falling over because I, I was dizzy and couldn't stand up. Well, God healed me, but it, it, it took a few days. And, you know, I know that I stand here and I'm telling you, uh, and I do it in church and I do it here that, that you've got to trust God all the time. And it, I know when I say it, it's much easier for me to tell you to do it than it is to do it, particularly when you've been tested. However, as my calling is to teach the word of God, I can only tell you what the word of God says. And again, my goal is to get our experience up to the level of the word, not at the word, down to our experience of nothing. Uh, the, what we currently experience is a product of what our brain says, what we feel, what's going on around us, what other people say, what other people's advice is. And it needs to be based more on the word of God because times are changing. This, this, this year that we have been through has just taken everybody by surprise, but there's more to come. The, 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 the enemy is always at work in this world. And so we need to be people of faith who will exercise our faith till we see the answers that Jesus has promised us because our faith is going to, always going to be tested. Now, let me just kind of uh, look at one other thing. You know, more than we doubt God, we doubt ourselves. What do, what do I mean by that? Well, often, you know, we, we've, if we've been around as believers for a long time, we, we get ourselves in a position where we don't doubt that God will do it or that God can do it because, of course, he's omniscient, he's omnipresent, he's not omnipotent, he can do whatever he like, you know, he can create the universe with a sentence or he can blow the whole thing away with a sentence. And, and so we know God can do it and we've got our heads around that, but the question then becomes, but will he do it for me? I've seen him heal other people. I've seen him do this. I've seen him prosper other people. I've seen him set other people free. I've seen other people be delivered. But will he do it for me? And we assume and we think, well, I'm different. I've done stuff that you can't imagine. Or, you know, if you knew what I was going through, I knew you, you knew what I was like, then you would know God would answer it for me. Here's the truth. God answers everyone on the same basis. And the surprise is, it's not on the basis of you. It's on the basis of Jesus, 
what he did, his perfect sacrifice and what he paid for. Now let's go to uh, another passage, James chapter 1, a passage we looked at I think several weeks ago. Um, when we were talking about kicking the devil out of your life, if you remember that series. If you didn't catch that series, I know many of you were really impacted by that. I've had a lot of feedback about that. Go, go, you can go uh, watch it or listen to it on our website. Just go to the resources section and the whole series is there. So James chapter 1, uh, verses 5 to 8. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all men liberally and without criticism. And it will be given to him. Here we go. But let him ask in faith without doubting. For he who wavers is like the wave of a sea driven and tossed by the wind. Tossed by what's going on in your head. Tossed by what other people are saying. Tossed by what you see in front of you. Tossed by uh, what, what the circumstances in the lives. Tossed by what's happened to you in your past. Tossed by what you worry about might happen to you in the future. But let him ask without waving, for your waves is like a wave of the sea, driven and tossed with the wind. Let not that man think that he'll receive anything from God, because a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Now, they're strong words. James got kind of a habit of giving you strong words. Partly, I think, that's because he was Jesus' brother. And uh, he spent most of Jesus' ministry completely missing that Jesus was who he said he was and that his own brother was the Messiah. And from then on, he, he kind of set himself that he didn't want other people to fall into that trap. And that made him really direct. And what he's talking about in his passage is how to deal with trials, how to deal with tribulations, how to deal with difficult times in life like we're going through now. And But he says that here's, what, here's your approach to it. You need the wisdom that the Holy Spirit will give you and the word of God will give you in order to know what to do and how to respond. And so he's talking about getting wisdom for the times. And that's something we all re re need really right now, isn't it? The wisdom for the times, to understand the times, to understand the times we live in and to know how to respond. And, you know, part of that response is learning and becoming those who stand in faith till they, we see what we have asked for. And, and so when we, when we look at this, we've got to let Scripture interpret Scripture. And when you do that, you look at the immediate context. And he's saying, James says, if you ask for wisdom, you'll get it. Again, it's one of those emphatic statements. If you ask for wisdom, you will get it. Again, we ask for it and then we need to wait until we get it. If we do that, we get it. And... Uh, you know, when we when we see this, uh, and I'll just read it from the Amplified, verse 5. If any of you is deficient in wisdom, let him ask. I love this, because this is kind of an amplification of the, the original language. Let him ask of the giving God, who gives to everyone liberally and ungrudgingly, without reproaching, without fault-finding, and it will be given to him. You see, this question that we have in our heads, will God do it for me, is answered right there. He will help you without reproach. It's not based on what you have done, it's based on what Jesus has done. So he's not coming to find fault with you, to pick holes in you, to drag up your past, to drag up the things you did this morning or yesterday or the things you're thinking about doing tomorrow. He's not, he's not there to do that. 
in this context. You've prayed and that means you can go boldly before the throne of grace to find the help you need in times of trouble, to find that wisdom we need right now. Why? Because Jesus opened that way. Jesus paid for the way to be opened. It's not based on you. He isn't saying, hey, guys, come to me and I'll help you. But let me just remind you first of all the things you've done. Let me just remind you when you did that, and when you did that, and when you did that. That's not what he will do. If that's what you hear, that again is the enemy who is sowing that stuff into the gap. And so God doesn't come like that. He, he doesn't come and go, hey, I just want you to make sure that you're really understanding things here. And you really understand how amazing, how wonderful I am being I'm being right now for helping you because how badly you have fallen short and messed up of what I wanted you to do. That's not how God comes. But that's how sometimes religion can make us feel and that's how the enemy can make us feel. And sometimes that's how our own self can, and flesh can make us feel because we are so focused on self that that's how the conclusion we end up at. Now I'm not saying God doesn't correct us along the way. But his help is not contingent on our performance. He meets us where we're at and he will always help us. No matter how badly you've messed up, no matter what trouble you're in, God is going to help you. Why? Because he loved you. He loves you. He cares for you. He gave his life for you and Jesus paid the price for you to have that help you are now looking for. So that gap doesn't depend on your performance it depends on your faith to fill that gap and that's so important that we understand that you see God isn't helping us because we deserve it he's helping us because he loves us you know um, I'm just kind of here thinking and just reminded of Abraham and uh, what Paul says about Abraham is that God promised him that he would uh, be blessed to be a blessing, that he would be the father of nations and that he would establish his covenant through him. And uh, Paul in, in Romans, I think it's chapter four, talks about how Abraham looked at his body and said, like, no way, God. He's like, how's that going to happen? And he looked at Sarah and he thought, we're like a hundred we're kind of withered and minkly and, and like not in the best, you know, flush, first flush of life. How are you, how's that going to happen? However, what Paul says is that's not what we're supposed to remember about Abraham. You see, Abraham didn't deny his circumstances. He didn't go, oh, really, we're 20. I'm going to pretend we're 20 and it's all going to be hunky-dory. No, he said, look, look, look at this. He didn't deny his circumstances, but he kept his eyes on God. He kept his eyes on the promise of God and he believed God. And what Romans tells us, his faith was counted to him as righteousness. He, his faith uh, saw him through. It wasn't that the circumstances were all lined up in the best way, he's, but his faith saw him through. You see, when you're at war with doubt, what do you do? You do war with the enemy. You do war with your flesh. You do war with your thoughts. You do war with your thinking. How do you do that? You do that with the words of your mouth. And like Abraham said, you know, he, he considered not his flesh, but believed God. Like uh, um, 
Jesus said in that passage in Mark, say, say what you need and it will be given to you. Be, say what you want. When you pray, say out, believe it and you will have what you, you ask for. So we, we speak out, we speak out the words of God. You know, the best way to overcome doubts is to crowd them out with the word of God from your mind. Crowd them out of your day. Push them back. When you're in the secret place, don't sit there thinking, well, this is what I'm going through. This is what's happened. Oh, God. Oh, God. What a miserable life I've had. What a terrible life I've had. No, you speak the word of God and you say, God, you are turning all things together for my good right now. Who can be against me if you are for me? In all things, I'm more than a conqueror. And this is what overcomes the world. Even my faith, my faith that you gave me, God, that you didn't rely on me to summon up, but you gave me that faith. And you said that if I pray, you will answer. And I'm going to believe you now. I'm not going to look at those circumstances. I'm not going to deny the circumstances, but I'm going to speak out your word. And your word says that through Christ, all God's promises are yes and amen. So I'm going to stand in this gap. I'm going to stand in this gap with faith. And I'm going to crowd out the doubt by saying your word. I'm believing your word. And I'm asking you, Lord, to renew my mind, to change me so that I know that I keep going day after day after day. And my persistence destroys resistance and I will have what you say I can have. I will become who you say I am. And I will know you as you say I can know you. Amen, faith life. We need to learn to stand in this gap. It's so crucial at this moment we live in. See, I don't know what you're going through right now. I've got some idea. Some of you let us know what you're going through. Uh, but we don't know everything. Nor do we need to know everything. Nor necessarily is it the best thing that we know everything. However, what I want you to, to, to remind you of now is that even though, you know, nobody else might know what you're going right through. I'm asking you to trust God right now. And if you've prayed about something before, if you've asked God to deal with something before, but you dug up your faith, you got into doubt, you looked at your circumstances, you said it'll never happen for me. You spoke out all those words of unbelief and you dug up your seed of faith and you never saw it to the other side of that gap. You didn't mind the gap, you, you didn't go through it, you didn't fill it uh, and, and drive that doubt out, but instead you just let it, let, let it dissipate and you haven't seen the answer yet. Just like when Daniel prayed and it took three minutes or it took three weeks. What I'm asking you to do now is to start your clock again and ask God for what you need him to do for you right now. And then I'm asking you to stand in that gap in faith until you see it. Because we are on a, an accelerated path to seeing our experience come up to the level of the world. And, and the world is going to see things through our lives that it has not seen for generations because that is where we are going. So I'm going to pray for you right now and then we, we're just going to uh, finish off the meeting. Oh, Cheryl's got a thumb up. We're not finishing off the meeting. Cheryl's coming back. So I'm just going to pray for you right now. Father, I thank you. I thank you that you promise us that if we ask, you will give. That if we seek, we will find. If we knock, then the door will be opened. 
You said, Lord, that if we, if we believe when we pray, we will have what we ask for. Lord, I'm asking you through your Holy Spirit and through the word implanted in our hearts that you stir up faith in us. Stir up faith so that we might become that which we are called to be. Not doubt life, but faith life. In Jesus' name. Amen.